this wasn't right. The weather was what the doctor had ordered, but the architecture of the location... This wasn't Metropolis. At least not that we knew. Had I bought the wrong ticket in that wild turkey chase brought on by the Joker's dastardly deeds? Or were we too early for this to be the city of tomorrow we had read about and seen for all those years? Maybe the Man of Steel could explain this strange mirage of familiarity. Hi, I'm Matthew. And I'm John. And we're the DC Detectives. It's our job to go back through the annals of DC history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. Alrighty. It's time. It is. It has begun. I am oh, excited. I am so excited. I it... have words to say today. Oh man, it's going to be so good. Action Comics number one. With that super green car and that, it's not cocaine dandy, but it seems like whiskey businessman. Yeah, yeah, all right. He's, um, not a, he's not a dandy per se, so much as he is just well dressed. Whiskey wuss. Whiskey wuss. I like it. I like whiskey wuss. So the first page of Action Comics number one by Jerome Siegel and Joe Schuster is Superman's origin. Look at that. We get that right off the bat, and even shorter than Batman's. Yeah, you know why? Because he's not that. It's just. Not that hard. Guy can do things. I just like that we have the distant planet. Scientist put his son on a rocket. The planet explodes. Goes to Earth. He's But he's found in an orphanage. Not Mom, Pa, Kent. So they do a, retcon that in a bit, though. They do retcon that in a bit. But it, it's a baby lifting a chair. It's him jumping over stuff. He's lifting girders. He's racing trains. And then he's got the suit already. And I like that. It's so much shorter that, that they've got scientific reasoning for his powers so they've got a picture of an ant lifting something up and they've got a grasshopper leapfrogging another grasshopper because that's totally what grasshoppers do right (laughs) but we have his super strength his jumping because no flying his speed and that nothing less than a bursting shell could penetrate his skin so he's super tough we get we get all of that right away and we start nbds rests where superman is carrying a blonde woman who is bound and gagged to the governor's estate you know what this is? This is the first level of a video game. You get dropped in as your... Or, or the first ten minutes of new Star Trek movie. Oh my gosh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, okay. He drops this woman. Make yourself comfortable. I haven't the time to attend to it. What a jerk. He's kind of a jerk. It's really funny. Goes to the governor's estate. The guy says, what are you out of your mind? It's really late. Go home. And Superman just busts through the door. Picks the guy up. Who presumably is a guard or a butler, I'm imagining. I like that that's the thing that the butler calls out. Not the fact that he's dressed like a circus strongman with a crazy cape. Right. Not like, are you insane? I suppose if he's coming around knocking at that time of night, insanity is kind of already assumed. So they get to the governor's door, which of course is like solid steel. And he's like, oh, don't worry about that. Just rips the door open. Goes to the governor. Tells the governor that, hey, Evelyn Curry is to be electrocuted in 15 minutes for murder. I have proof here of her innocence. A signed confession, presumably from the blonde woman that he has deposited on this guy's grounds. The guard pulls a gun, shoots Superman. Superman's like, are you really? And we get a little, like, doomsday clock down for, like, the woman who's about to be executed in the corner of these two panels. And the governor's like, yeah, sure, fine. You know, she's safe. And the woman is pardoned. I actually counted this. So... Superman moments. He's breaking things, or he's taking a bullet, or he's doing a heroic pose. There are, in the span of these four pages, 
14 different Superman moments. Wow. This is paced super fast. Yeah, because we get we get immediately after this into Superman as Clark Kent reading yeah, the newspaper the next day saying, like, oh, good, I'm not mentioned. And the mayor being like, holy crap, this guy was super strong. It was weird as hell. And everyone's like, are you okay, man? <laughs> like, no one's saying anything else. They're all just kind of looking at him oddly. And the Daily Star, not the Daily Planet, but the Daily Star, the editor calls Kent in. And he goes, hey, did you ever hear of Superman? And Kent, no. And the editor says, hey, look, you're going to be covering Superman from now on. He goes, you got it. I'll be right on that, sir. And as he's leaving the editor's office, they get a tip about a wife beating. And this is the first thing I had to stop on was, why is the newspaper getting a tip about a wife beating and not the police? Maybe they're listening to the police broadcast? Did they even have those at that point, actually? Police police radios were around. I'm sure they had shortwave radios or some some form. That's probably something we should have looked into. But the guy's on, like, a, a rotary, like, receiver and microphone phone. Probably a telegraph receiver? I don't know. Regardless, <laughs> they hear about this beating, and he goes, like, go, go report on it. Clark turns into Superman, runs there, beats the crap out of the dude. Beats the shit out of <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, he actually, yeah, you know what? He picks him, throws him into a wall, and I'm like, that guy just pooped himself. That guy had to have pooped himself with just the force he's thrown against that wall, and just, ow. Then he pulls a knife out, tries to stab Superman, and Superman's like, bro, come on. Really? Guy freaks out. He faints. One of the things you'll notice, starting with this guy, all of his enemies aren't just beaten, they're humiliated. Yeah. They are rendered impotent. Mm. And this guy, as soon as he gets thrown into the wall, he's, I mean, he's still got the knife, but he's standing there, he's got, uh, his shirt sleeves are ripped, so he looks like he's just spent five weeks in the jungle trying to get back. He's, he's falling apart. Yep. So Superman changes back into his civvies, the cops arrive, and Clark Kent's like, whoa, I guess uh, Superman did this, and not me, <laughs> and not me. <laughs> to wh- be fair, if you saw Clark Kent, mild-mannered Clark Kent, and someone who had gotten the shit kicked out of him, you would not assume Clark Kent. Fair enough, him. fair enough. Next panel, Clark is stammering, asking Lois out on a date, and Lois says, I suppose I'll give you a break for a change. I don't think giving Clark a date is giving him a break. I feel like agreeing to take him on the date is giving her a break from his incessant asking. So, as a quick aside, we have already recorded a really great conversation with Arden Lee, and we'll put uh, Twitter handles, etc. in the show notes for both this and that interview. But talking specifically about the relationship between Clark Kent and Lois Lane... Really interesting stuff, mm-hmm. and this was one of the things we talked about. We didn't talk about this particular bit, but one thing I think this is an on-again, off-again relationship, and it's the, oh, God, we're clearly on the way out, but I'll give you a date for tonight. I, I view that makes sense with the phrase, uh, give you a break, at least to me. That's fair. So they're dancing at a club. Mafioso Tufts are observing how beautiful Lois is from afar. One of them asks to cut in, and by asks, he shoves Clark out of the way. And Clark suggests to Lois, maybe you should just give him the dance, because Clark is still keeping the ruse up that he is mild-mannered and a coward. Lois is not having any of that. She slaps the Mafia Tough and bails. The Mafia Tough storms after her. They get in their car. They knock the cabbie off the road. They get Lois. They put her in her car. And Clark is now officially Superman, and he is going after him. So I have a proposal. Superman doesn't kill, at least not nearly as often as Batman. No. 
So, may I propose that every time that Lois could have used a taser, we do the ding? <laughs> or a zap noise? That that works too. <laughs> Clark, Superman, we're going to go back and forth because it's basically the same person, though, Superman. Mm-hmm. We'll never call him Kal-El unless specifically yeah. told. That's also way later in here, I assume. Right. So, Clark catches up, stands in front of the car, and the guys are like, holy shit, there's a dude in the road. They swerve, and Clark is now chasing them. He lifts the car up. And reenacts the cover mm-hmm. in this page, which is kind of funny. Also, I want to call out, this is before Superman flies, so not only is he leaping, but also when he's doing the super speed stuff, he's actually running with the cape behind him. He's and running, actually, running, and not I, flying. Yeah. yeah, exactly that. And I really like the way that looks. Just, it, It's cool to have the same kind of flash pose, but with a cape instead. I really like the look. Yeah, like. it's interesting. It, it does definitely cut a different figure. Mm-hmm. So he's recreating the cover, goes after the mafia, thugs, hangs him up, does his thing. Yeah, he's he's giving this dude a wedgie. God, yeah, no, he is definitely. He's picking him up by the pants. back of his pants and he hangs him by the back of his pants on a telephone pole. He's giving him a wedgie. He's doing like an old school Simpsons bully thing, like running the guy up the flagpole. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We see Clark rescuing Lois, picks her up, and he takes her to the outskirts of town. Not even her home. Just you're close, right? Walks off. <laughs> One thing that's interesting, purely from a comics code type of perspective, Lois actually has cleavage in this one specific shot. Holy crap, you're right. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that anywhere else. You almost get a little suggestion of it in that other panel. Mm. But we have, even with characters who have fairly deep necklines in their dresses, in this and in Batman, you just don't see cleavage. That just does not happen. Uh, so it's interesting to see that bit here. Which is interesting because later on we'll see Lois actually have a little bit more sexual slash romantic uh, agency, but even then, no cleavage. Just no. It is it is interesting how much I want to say modesty they give her, especially because if you look at like uh, Dala and Julie and even Catwoman, not a lot. Even with Catwoman's no. like semi-open yep. you keyhole thing, see there's no cleavage anything there. Interesting. Well, that's yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't noticed that. So the next day, Lois goes in and says, Oh my god, I saw Superman last night. And of course the editor doesn't believe her because she's a woman. What a dick. You saw Pink Elephants? That's a reference to like being drunk, I guess? Or I think high? S- I think it's a drinking thing. Because you think of Dumbo. Uh, well, n- sometimes I think of Dumbo. You I think assume of Dumbo. you don't I think don't. of Dumbo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, you don't my... know what... Uh, maybe I'm thinking of Huffalumps. So the next day, she's talking to her editor. Doesn't believe her. Pink Elephants. And... Lois is giving Clark the cold shoulder because she's like, you're a jerk. And he's like, I'm sorry about last night. Please don't be angry with me. But of course she has total rights to be angry with him. Yeah. Because he was a, he was a jerk. Uh, we talk about this a little bit with Arden, but Clark straight up says, just dance with the creepy guy he, and he'll go away. He puts her in, he puts her in genuine danger. Yes. For the sake of his facade. Yep. So the editor calls Clark into his office and says, you're now going to cover this South American War in this Republic, San Monte, doesn't exist. Of course. Not even remotely. You're going to go cover this, get some war shots. You're, P.S., you're a city reporter, now go be a foreign war correspondent. Specifically tasked with following Superman. Right. You're now a foreign war correspondent. Our supposed best resource is now going to just not even be here to cover the beat that we told him he's going to cover. Yeah. So, Kent takes a train... Not towards San Monte, but to Washington, D.C. Now here, Actually, technically, that's probably still in the same direction. Probably, but not, like, directly to. It's, yeah. There is no ship to Paris at this point. <laughs> so, 
And here's the thing that I I want everyone to keep in mind while we start talking about this secondary plot line that is oddly the main plot line for the next two issues. They do that. It doesn't make any sense. I get the reason he's doing it, and I understand why he's doing what he's doing. But there was no lead-up to send us in this direction, and therefore it is just really not solid. The pacing of these issues is very strange, because it will be a thing comes up, and Superman resolves it, but the thing just comes out of nowhere. We'll see, oh, somebody was on the tracks, or there there was a road incident... I guess I should do that and handle all road accidents right now. It's the weird early equivalent of Superman, like, floating above Metropolis, listening for things to happen. Mm -hmm. And instead of that occurring, he's doing one thing and then something else catches his eye. Yeah, and there's no thematic relevance or proper pacing to it. It will just be bam out of nowhere. Yes. It's very strange to read. So, Clark is in D.C. He sees a senator speaking... Presumably about uh, war and things of bellicose nature. He's then seen outside the Senate chambers talking to a lobbyist, a well-known lobbyist. Clark goes to encounter these men, whether they go and have their like secret rendezvous and shake down the senator. With their uh, younger gentleman with, friends? With their young gentleman friends. They have like a tussle. Superman basically uh, confronts the senator and says, like, yo, stop you know, being on the take. This isn't cool. And the senator says, you know, who are you? And... The first instance of jumping to solve a problem. So one thing worth noting, I do want to point out, that there's a key difference between being able to super leap and super fly. Mm-hmm. The key thing being, and we'll see a little bit of the results of this, once you jump, you can't change directions. So the other thing, that the hypothetical situation that comes up, is if he accidentally drops somebody, he's midway through like a 20 second jump. Super speed or not, He's not going to be able to get back over there. And he's grabbing this guy by, like, the ankle. Right. And we found, you know, early in the... When they describe his powers, he's able to leap above 20 stories. So he's jumping about 200 feet in the air for an eighth of a mile with the senator, Senator Barrows. And he's leaping around and, like, jumping on telephone wires. And the guy's freaking out. He's like, we'll be electrocuted. Superman's like, not if we don't touch anything that's grounded. (laughs) And he's scaring the bejesus out of this guy. They land, and he goes, take, take me down, take me down, I, I'll, I'll talk. And Superman goes, whoops, I have missed it. And that's where we end this this issue, with Superman going, oh no, I missed. And they're just falling towards a building. And then it, at the bottom it says, hey. And so begins the startling adventures of the most sensational strip character of all time, Superman. A physical marvel, a mental wonder. Superman is destined to reshape the destiny of the world. Only in action comics. We have a lot of advertisement. In oh, all yeah. of these. Oh, yeah. It, the branding machine on this is immediate, and oh. I have some stuff about that. <clears throat> That's the end of issue one, is him doing this, and then we get, like, an odd cliffhanger. So the next issue, Action Comics number two, we're, I like that we're just, number one and number two, it's so kind of clean and nice, but then again, you know, the Detective Comics have been going on for so long, mm-hmm. they were probably going on, or they obviously were going on while this was happening, so... Of course, Batman starts with later double digits. Action Comics number two continues right where we left off with Superman crashing down on the cement, letting the senator down, saying, like, hey, so you're going to tell me what's up or what? And the guy goes, yes, there's a guy who's been telling me to, you know, sort of do things in a more aggressive fashion to kind of go towards American war. Specifically, to get them embroiled in, quote, 
Europe. Yes, to get them now, in Royal Now Europe. you'll notice the war is in South America. It doesn't make a lot of sense. No, I, I imagine I, they're kind of hinting at stuff that's going on in Europe, but they're... My really... guess is it's just... Honestly, my guess is it's continuity error. Because be. the war looks European. Everybody speaks English. Mm-hmm. Well, it, comics. Comics. Yeah. So, this munitions magnate, Emil, or Emil Norvell, is responsible for making this uh, politician go crooked. Superman goes to pay him a visit. The guy presses a button, and a, and a dozen men with Tommy guns come out and start shooting him. Does and I know it's a dozen. a dozen. I know it's a dozen because Superman deals with them by throwing them all out a window, and it says, "A moment later, a dozen bodies fly headlong out the window into the night. The machine guns wrapped firmly about their necks." How high up is that window? It's not very. Like, look at that style of window. That looks like the kind of nice little like you've got your little brook niche. Uh, I hope so, because if not, he just killed a dozen men. He didn't. Like, from looking at the way, like, those windows look like ground level Okay, so we're not, gonna, we're not gonna body count no. that. It would also be out of character. He hasn't killed anybody else, I don't think, in this entire six-issue bit. You sure about that? I think. Because I'm sure that he does. In right, this issue, right. twice. Alright, let's see. So, Superman then just basically says, hey, bro, look at me bend this iron bar and the guy goes okay he goes so what you're gonna do is you're gonna get on a boat to san monte guy goes okay that's out of nowhere but sure next day the guy's on the boat to san monte so is lois though because lois shows up and she's been told to shadow clark and help him so clark goes oh crap okay well um sure yeah great the more the merrier while he's on the boat he changes into his superman garb to scare the bejesus out of the guy again goes hey when you get to san monte you're going to enlist in the army, and the guy goes, you're full of crap. I hired all these thugs. They're going to deal with you again. Really, guy? You thought that the first thugs were... The, the first thugs went over really well. You're going to hire another group of guys to deal well, with this. those were his guys. Now he's outsourcing. Yeah, now he's outsourcing, so these guys are probably a lot better. Of course, they're not. Superman jumps off the boat, swims in, out to sea, and the next night, the, the thugs turn on their guy because they're like, well, yeah, sure, we're backstabbing pirates, essentially. Superman has to rescue well, him. Specifically because he refuses to pay them. Correct. So, Superman saves him the next night tells him you're gonna enlist in the army when you get there and the guy goes fine okay well I could enlist in the army but then I'm just gonna escape the first chance I get he gets in the army he's traveling in a very hellscape-ish looking place it's lots of mountains very orange dead trees brown like yellows. if you flattened the landscape in the battle at the end of Avatar The Last Airbender yes so the munitions magnate email is still... I'm trying pretty to... sure that's not how you pronounce that. Email? Email? Probably email. Email? Probably email. Email? I don't know. Enamel? You could also call him by his last name. Norval? Norval is trudging with the soldiers, and of course Superman dresses up like a soldier and says, hey, you're not getting out of this, and he's like, shit. <laughs> you're here. Okay, I guess I'm not getting out of this. Superman likes to dress up when he's not Lord Kent. Yeah. Yeah, he does that a lot. He dresses up a lot as Superman. Because apparently a guy without glasses is a lot easier to blend into a crowd than a guy with glasses. I'm not sure. I don't know. What it's it's... Just, it gives him an excuse to try on new outfits. Correct. He, he feels like very playing, free. He likes playing dress up. And that's totally huh. fine. Huh. It is, you know, it's superhero craft. Mm-hmm. Batman could learn a lot from him. Uh, actually, well, Batman's villains couldn't. Batman's villain. I'm saying like Batman. But like, Batman himself. Instead yeah, of being yeah. Bruce Wayne and walking into places to like see if these guys are spies. Maybe he should have like dressed up like a shadier character. and Or even just someone more mundane. Yeah. 
Superman is now on the front lines with this guy, and this guy is freaking the hell out because, holy crap, war is scary. And Superman's like, yeah, and this is terrible. And he's like, yes, this is insane. So are you. Please let me leave. He's like, no, you can't. The next night after the conflict that they've gone through is over, <laughs> Superman is Superman. He gets into a Superman garb, runs to the enemy encampment, snaps a picture of these guys in the intelligence tent says thanks guys and just bails and that's like a picture he sends back to the editors like this is gonna be a great shot especially with the expressions they have like they do the whole shocked expression it would be really easy to tell who took that picture because i guarantee only one person is gonna bust through the door like that it's such a candid shot you're like this is like really really bad this is a bad photograph as someone who studied journalism and i had to go through Mm -hmm. pictures to see which ones were better to forward the narrative of a story that's a terrible photo also worth noting, costume change. Superman now has a red, uh, I guess, background for the S-Shield. Yes, he does now have a red background for the S-Shield. Previously in the first story, it was much more... It was indistinct or kind of yellow. Yeah, the whole suit in the first one is much darker and mm-hmm. the colors are much more unrecognizable. It's almost a black jumpsuit. It is almost a black suit, but then again, that could be an instance of blue being used for black. This is clearly mm-hmm. blue now being blue. Yes. So... We see Lois in her hotel meeting up with this woman who's a wealthy traveler, quote-unquote. And these uh, political soldiers come in looking for the wealthy traveler who slips into Lois's room, puts a piece of paper in her dresser, and then bounces. These guys are looking for this woman. They go into Lois's room who is... <laughs> I guess dressed the same? Because they're so not at I first. I think it's a continuity error because flip ahead. Uh, so you've got the next scene is uh, Lois is accused of being a spy because she had some documents that Lola had slipped into her room. Oh no, I'm Your innocent. Name was Lola. You are the showgirl. And at that point, she goes from with the judge the night before she is wearing like the the nice business suit a, that a, she had not been wearing a moment a red, before. Well, so, no, and then you know what actually it, is, it that, is actually that that is Lola saying you're wasting your time searching okay. your room. Okay, that's not so, a problem. That's not a problem because but what is the problem is Lois is wearing the red jacket with a yellow shirt with the judge and being arrested. And the next day we see her, she's in a green dress. She is in Lola's dress. She's definitely they dress Lola. Air. Yeah, they dress Con- Lola. It's continuity. Or they dress Lois up like Lola. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, the artist presumably uh, lost track of who Oops. was dressed as who. Uh, they do look the same, though. They are yeah, drawn specifically to look the same. Specifically that, and also in the final bit of Lola, she doesn't have the hat. That's the distinguishing feature the whole way through. So I think in this chunk, uh, the artist is just getting confused. Over yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened there, but it's not very good. So while Clark is submitting this picture of Candid Generals to the Daily Star, Lois is getting put under military arrest that night Clark hears that she's about to be executed the next day as a spy and a traitor so Clark decides I can't let that stand dresses up like Superman when she's about to be shot he jumps in front of the bullets grabs her bails jumps with her away and she's like oh my god thank you he's like save the questions they land in the vicinity of someone being tortured that's convenient isn't it very it's a guy being he's tied up to a tree being tortured by other people Clark says this is bullshit goes to confront them and that guy's dead i'm yeah probably i'd forgotten about him so superman he throws one-handed throws the torturer like a football into space away from where they are and i'm telling you anybody falling from a height of what has to be 50 or plus feet 
going head first. Head first at any speed that was able to launch him like that with no padding, no gear, no nothing. Probably, if not paralyzed, he is dead. Alright, I'll give you that one. M- make a sad ding. Yeah, it's... The torturer vanishes from view behind a grove of distant trees with a pitiful wail. Those are trees! He's higher than trees! Well, to be fair, he could land in the trees. They could break his fall. Oh, that would hurt. Oh, it would hurt like a mother. Oh, gosh. That would hurt. Okay, so that's a that's a questionable one, but I'm, I'm thinking that guy's dead. So, Superman... You have your headcanon. My headcanon is that guy is super dead. <laughs> Super killed by Superman. God, he had to go there. He's cadaverific. Superman gets the guy who was being tortured, says, hey, you're fine, go go be free. Then makes sure that Lois is free. She goes, will I ever see you again? Who knows? Perhaps tomorrow, perhaps never. He's a jerk when he's Superman, and it's so funny. He's brusque. He's, yeah, he's very terse. Terse, no nonsense. So Superman's going back to his uh, unit to rejoin Norville or... Ne- Norville. Norville. He's going to find Norville. He sees that their unit's under attack. He sees anti-air guns and a plane fighting. This guy dies, too. Because he punches that plane out of the sky. Yeah. That guy's dead. No parachute. Yeah, all right. Yeah. No parachute scene. Yeah. That guy's dead. Superman punches the plane out of the sky. Norville thinks he's totally fine. Superman comes back. He says, hey, still alive, buddy. You're not getting out of this that easily. And Norville's freaking the hell out. He says, let me go. I don't want. I don't like war ever again. I don't. This is nonsense and crazy. I just want to go home. And he goes, that's I will, what I want I will be Tony Stark from now on. Right, that's what he wants to hear. Superman. Actually, wow, yeah, this is the Tony Stark origin story. So Superman says, perfect, that's over. Now I'm going to go stop the war. Goes to both military's head camps, gets both generals, jumps with them to an undisclosed location, and says, hey, talk it out. Or I'll clean up both of you myself. And my favorite, though, is just, he's straight up threatening these two men to just work out their problems. And the best part is he says... Then why are your armies battling? I don't know. Can you tell me? No. Can you? I feel like generals would know. So, uh, are, are we finished with the story summary? Um, yeah, because really all that happens is they they mm-hmm. agree. They, they make a true. Superman goes home. The editor says, hey, good good pictures, Cat. That's a weird candid. And he goes, yeah, isn't it? Just. <laughs> also, there's been no Superman news since you've been gone. That's lucky break, right? Yeah, totally. And then, of course, there is a, attention, all American youth. Superman now appears on the comic page of many newspapers. They're basically telling you that the Superman comics are coming up in your newspapers. Clip this out and send it in, and we'll send it to you as well. Yes, we are now done. This story is super communist. It is super communist. Every soldier that isn't part of the the faceless majority is either a war profiteer... Or a completely out of touch general just moving pieces around the board, the the old nobility, or a sadist. That's it. The idea that this is—they all no, they're not. They're not. not. I'm sorry. Uh, This story is just a hey, war doesn't actually happen for any reason that can be justified. War doesn't happen for any reason that involve mass movement. This is the condemnation of the military-industrial complex on a massive scale. There are pieces throughout that I'm going to call... I, I don't call it think, like you see it, yeah. I don't think Superman is necessarily himself written from a fascist or a communist perspective. I think there are But the pieces, messages that are being... The, the message in this particular case is very communist in... Well, very communist in theory, not so communist in practice, because there were all the times where we're like, no, no, this war is totally cool. Okay. This isn't a capitalist war. 
Yeah. I am disenchanted with communism, in case I, you couldn't tell. <laughs> I, well, I can I can definitely see where you're going with this, and that, that makes sense. One other thing. Let's look at that. Let's look at that. Moon fetish. Oh, does Siegel and, do Siegel and Schuster have the moon fetish as well? It does seem that way. Just like the Eiffel Tower seen in every shot when you're in Paris. It's exactly that, yeah. How do you how do you imply, by the way, we're in Paris? By the way, how do you tell that we're in night? Moon, Eiffel Tower. So, the next story is actually a rather short one. And probably uh, a little more communist as well, if I believe. It's the minor story. It's very much that kind of thing. So, a uh, mine collapses. Superman hears about it at the newspaper. They go, go, go see to it, Kent. Go report on it. Clark goes, a Superman, you know, speed runs there, then shows up at the mine, dresses up like a miner again, because I'm Superman, I can dress up, but not when I'm Clark Kent. Dresses up like a miner, pretends to fall into the mine. He smells poison gas, but thank God he's not affected by it. Goes further into the mine, finds a bunch of collapsed miners, picks them up, puts them on an elevator so that they're all taken out to safety. He goes further into the mine to find the guy who was actually covered in the collapse. He turns a corner, finds the guy who's in the collapse, pulls all the rocks off of him, brings him to safety, climbs up one arm... You know, because he's Superman and he's, you know, doing it. Everyone's like, well, I guess hauling ass. <laughs> you know, like, no one's no one's asking questions, but they're like, that's impressive, dude. Way to go. Good upper body strength. <laughs> they, he also notices while he's in the mine that the signal cord is cut and it doesn't work, which is the first sign we get that something in this mine is not really up to code. It's not really good. They save the guy. Clark, as Clark, finds out that that miner is being brought to the hospital. He goes to the hospital as Clark Kent to report on what happened. The guy tells him that the safety conditions in the mine are terrible. And that the guy who owns the mine is to blame. So Clark goes to the guy who owns the mine to get a statement. The guy effectively says, piss off, I don't care. So Clark goes, you're a piece of shit. And walks out of the office. Uh, that night, Clark dresses up like a miner again. Jumps the wall with his Superman power. Gets caught on the guy's grounds of his home. And is brought inside his home where he's having a fancy dress party with all of his socialite buddies. This is where I got lost. Where this guy, uh, Blakely, I believe his name is, who owns the mine mentions is like hey look at this guy he just wants to see how the other half lives blah 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 everyone's having a good grand old time laughing at the miner blakely suggests that they have the rest of their party in the mine now i feel like clark would have tricked him into doing that but this guy is stupid enough that he did it himself it's a demonstration of hey look at our opulence and our stupidity that blinds us to how weird we are how 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 much we just exist for uh, frippery. So, they all think that's a grand idea. They all go to the mine to have a party in the mine. They're having a mine rave, essentially. A 1930s fancy dress mine rave. <laughs> which someone somewhere is now going to want to make. Man, like, and actually with, like, a well-made mine with enough space, enough safety features, that could be interesting. It could the be. The acoustics would be crazy. You also have to take into effect that, like, the vibrations wouldn't actually make the mine cave in. Yeah. yeah. Require very careful planning. <laughs> So while these people are partying it up in this mine, they're like, this is shitty. I don't like it here. It's gross and dank. And, you know, one guy's like, I don't like this at all. This is bullshit. Where's the party at? You know, they're not having a good time. The allure of the novelty has worn off for these people. And it only took two minutes. So Superman says, how to put a hastily conceived plan into action. At least he's honest. <laughs> no truer words were ever spoken, Superman. No truer <laughs> words were ever spoken. He... Attacks the wooden supports in the tunnel, causes a cave-in, and everyone freaks the hell out. Like they should, because they're in a mine. This was not up to code, nor is it safe. Blakely goes, oh shit, we're all in danger, we gotta get the hell out of here. 
they're passing out now because the oxygen is starting to thin out. Clearly, one woman passes out just because she faints and she's scared. And everyone's like, Blakely, you've got to get us out of here. And he's like going to Superman, who's still dressed like a miner. He's like, you got to get us out. Superman says, uh, you know, maybe we'll be rescued in five minutes. Maybe never. I don't know. The, the safety cords don't work. So the fancy dress people turn on Blakely. Like they should, because this was a stupid idea. But who's the more fool? The fool or the fool that follows him? Everyone is stupid. No, no, I didn't, I didn't say anything about everyone in that statement is stupid. I meant everyone is stupid. Okay, that's fair. So they're going to beat the crap out of each other. And Blakely says, no, 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 there's safety devices. We'll just, we'll just get out of here. And they're like, oh, thank God, Blakely, you're so smart. Of course, the safety devices don't work because he has not kept his mind up to code. Clark again, provides an idea that perhaps they could get out of here if they dig their way out. And the guys start digging and digging and digging and digging, and of course they pass out purely because there's lack of oxygen. Blakely says, you know, that he's learned his lesson. He has his moral of the story moment. Oh, if I only had this all to do over again, I never knew, really knew, what the men down here have to face. He passes out. G.I. Joe. Yeah, right. (laughs) Sonic says. And Superman says, that's all I needed to hear. He digs them out with his bare hands because he's Superman. Let's them all out. And everyone's safe. Blakely basically says, I'll never do that again. Thanks, mysterious stranger. And Clark goes as Clark Kent the next day to say, hey, how's it going? And the guy says, I'm going to fix everything and give everybody compensation, etc., etc. Another advertisement at the bottom for the Superman of America Club. Get your membership in today, fellers. God, this is so much, so much branding. I love it. It's so funny. But that one's, again, big business sucks. Yeah. It... And especially, one thing worth noting, Stanislaw is very... First off, that's a very Polish name. Stanislaw is the name of the miner who tells Clark that the conditions in the mine are terrible. Yep. And he also speaks in a relatively broken form of English. Broken foreign English, yes. Yeah, and that's also uh, when they're first... When Clark is first captured in uh, dressed as a miner in the fancy dress party... He does the same. He speaks in semi-broken English as well, but he doesn't really keep that up. He doesn't. He doesn't even slightly. So the ruse is kind of yeah. That 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 falls apart at a certain point. But it's interesting to notice that this this was very clearly a let's talk a little bit about the exploitation of ethnic minorities. But it's worth noting this is another symptom of time. On the one hand, props to Siegel and Schuster for that. (laughs) On the other hand, that their idea of the the othered ethnic minorities are very explicitly Eastern Europeans. We have not in any of these stories seen a single person of color. We've seen the Asian guys in the Batman ones. Okay, you're right. That's true. And in fact, uh, Ming, I want to say, Wong is portrayed positively, but that... Yeah, the, the, it's, the it's quote unquote unofficial mayor it, of Chinatown. Who is yeah, it, it, who is, still, it is a problematic trope, but it, it is at least a positive portrayal. But other yeah, than that, I don't think there's been a he's single... He's treated with respect and is there to help. Yes. It, it is It is a, occasionally a problematic trope, but that is a positive portrayal, so props on that one. Mm-hmm. But he is the single positive POC we've seen, correct? I believe you're right because the others have been either villains or a guy wearing distinctly yellow face makeup. Yeah. And I don't I'm I'm thinking this through my head. I don't think a single uh POC appears in the entirety of this not just this issue but this book. I think you're correct. So here's something I wanted to ask you guys. I'm not sure if you've ever thought about this. We're in Action Comics number four. Did you ever want to watch Superman play football? Because I did, and I'm really happy because this next issue is Superman playing football. This issue made you happy? <laughs> yes! 
Of course it did. It's amazing. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It starts off not making sense. Oh, it's so good. So, things things that I like about the Superman comics as they're happening is that every first page has some sort of large panel of action that either has something occurring that's dangerous and scary or Superman doing something fantastic. This one happens to be a man getting hit by a car. And it's a hit-and-run, hit-skip driver. Superman sees it, goes, that's, you know, bullshit. He goes to chase down the guy who, you know, hit him. Pushes the car off the road because the guy stalls on, on a railroad track. And is racing the railroad train to... Just the train. Yeah. The train. It's not a... There's no real difference. So, there's a, a drunk conductor on the train. A lot of people who, are, who see Superman are either drunk or asked if they are drunk. Very interesting. So there's a drunk conductor on the train, and Superman races to the car, gets the guy out of the car, but the guy has a heart attack from almost being hit by the train, the guy's dead. Superman goes, wow, that's over, I guess, leaves the dude there, jumps to the train. He's still, like, sworn that he's going to do something about reckless drivers in general, right? No, not this one. That isn't this one. Well, that's the thing. I I feel like that... Mm -mm. No. Is there not anything explicit? Okay. In one way or another, seven issues from now, there will be an entire issue about re- reckless driving, and I thought it was a direct continuation of this. So, regardless, Superman sees this guy have a heart attack, jumps to the train, though I guess for reasons unknown. He doesn't need the train, though, as a mode of transportation. He just kind of jumps on the train, jumps inside the train, and then hides. Why? Why hide? But he hears a crooked football coach hiring these two toughs to hurt the men on the opposite team in the game tomorrow so they can keep his job and make more money. Superman goes, that's not okay at all. Goes to the, I want to say the Daily Star uh, record room. Goes to the photo clippings of the team that is about to be attacked. Finds a bench warmer guy who is just terrible. And says, I'm going to dress up like him. Uses grease paint makeup and perfectly makes himself look like that other dude. Not just that. In the next scene, when he takes the guy's place, he is wearing the exact same clothes. Mm -hmm. And... Even better. Uh, this guy, Burke. I believe you're right. It is Tommy Burke. Tommy Burke, who is on the other team. Burke shows up at his girlfriend's place. It is very clearly at her place. Mm-hmm. And as he's walking away from there, Superman finds him and takes his place. So Superman has presumably been stalking this guy to find out what clothes he's going to wear and where his girlfriend lives. Yeah. Isn't that how you take the place of another person being? Usually I just use uh, psychic manipulation. That works too. Person being, by the way, not human being. Person being. (laughs) So, yes, Clark eventually notices this lover's quarrel happening. The woman no longer wants to be seen with Tommy Burke because he's a loser. She says, piss off. Tommy goes, stomps off. He's all pissed off. And she's going to go out with the tennis player. Yeah, I guess. A real athlete, she says. Tennis people do... Look oh yeah, out very hard, and they are athletes. Yeah, but that's but not I've, the jack. That's not the jock stereotype. But I fail to see how you would make a comparison to a football player not being a real athlete. Well, to if, be if, fair, he he's been a, a six or seven year bench warmer. But still, he's still training and working out. They don't let you not do that stuff. You're expected to be in shape because at any moment you're supposed to go in and play. Mm-hmm. I would. It would make sense if he was like a golfer. And she was like, a real athlete. Because there is that argument that golfing is not like a real sport, to which I could get into an argument with people about that. Even aside from that, you don't have an athlete's body. And I say this as a fencer. I was a fencer, I wasn't an athlete. Right. You could have said a winner, 
Yeah. And it would have hurt way more. <laughs> you know? <laughs> your imprecision reduces the emotional impact of your manipulation. I feel like we should have been behind the door feeding her lines. Reverse Cyrano de Bergerac? Yes. <laughs> Call him a loser. You went with real... Ha- You're the worst, Tiffany. Just, <laughs> as we close the door. Eh, that's We're mean people. But still, Superman encounters this guy as he's leaving. He goes, hey, don't I look just like you? Yeah, that's really weird. Guess what? This smells like chloroform. <laughs> no, no, it's a, it's a hypodermic needle. <laughs> that's even better. He injects him with something. And then Tommy Burke loses consciousness. He's then... Waking up in a bed somewhere, I guess in his own apartment, and Superman goes, hey, just don't worry about it. Relax. Goes to practice. Gets in an argument with somebody in the locker room because the guy keeps calling him a loser, and Superman ain't no loser. Shoves the guy into the lockers, gets in trouble, and they're like, Burke, you're benched permanently. And he gets all mad and says, I'm not going to take any of that. Goes out, suits up anyway, goes out there during the practice, shows everybody up because he's Superman and he can just wreck the entire team. And they're like, yeah, forget it, Burke. You're starting tomorrow. Everyone's excited for Burke to do well, but of course the bad guys are like, crap, we gotta now hurt this guy because this guy is clearly the biggest threat on the team. Burke and Superman are in his apartment and Superman's like, hey, dude, everyone loves you. Isn't that cool? And Tommy Burke's like, I guess. I can't really re- like fight back. You're kind of crazy strong. So the next game, the bad guys go to Tommy Burke's apartment and tie Tommy Burke up because that's who is in the bed. But Superman lets them do that. Goes to the game and starts playing. And they're like, um, didn't we just, huh? Like a very Looney Tunes moment where they're like, (laughs) I thought we tied him up. And of course they're, you know, trying their best to, you know, stop him. And they get like knives and crap onto the field. Mm -hmm. And they're like trying to legit stab Burke. Like if this was actually Burke, he'd be dead. Like legitimately killed on the field of sporting. As they're winning... Burke gets free in his apartment, goes to the game, and watches himself play football, essentially, which is a very meta thing, and watches his girlfriend dump the tennis player during the game because he's doing so well. Fickle woman. And he gets super psyched, and he's cheering. Cheering for himself. Cheering for himself right behind his girlfriend. How bad of a girlfriend is she that she doesn't recognize his voice when when he is six feet behind her yelling or like turn at around, himself turn around to see the guy who's cheering on her boyfriend to kind of like that's really cool that guy's cheering my boyfriend on that's my boyfriend what is happening this is a dysfunctional relationship this is just a weird thing that's going on and i love it to i love it to bits <laughs> yeah so superman wrecks those two guys who were the thugs who were trying to hurt him and then goes to the locker room and switches clothes with burke because he's like hey man you get to win so let's burke do the final play burke uh, grabs the ball after like kind of a, a shitty handoff and he's on the field to collect the accolades because it's really Burke so Superman doesn't actually take the credit for all the work he lets Burke be the good guy and you know get the girl in the end and Superman's like I feel good about this and that's the end of the story is just to Burke... be fair the the, uh, the the antagonist coach re- retires yeah the and... antagonist coach like sends his resignation in by courier <laughs> <laughs> yeah by like water boy and it's really weird and that's the end of the story and of course they're like hey kids you want to learn how to acquire super strength do manual labor move furniture specifically lift and i can't tell if they're using their knees i can't either but it's like instructions on how to get super strength and it's a child lifting an armchair uh what i would what appears to be a filing box a dining room chair and then another armchair and it's like hey the more you do it the stronger you get just tell them it's to holes. work out it's holes yeah so 
<laughs> so Action <laughs> Comics number five. Superman basically fixing a dam that breaks. Which is a very Superman thing to do. This is something you would see at the start of a Superman story to get you into, like, you know, and the dam breaking was as a result of a bad guy, you know? Yeah. This is, yeah, kind, of work, the, yeah. This is kind of the thing that you would normally see in a Superman story where, you know, the dam, people are hearing that this dam is breaking and, you know, areas are flooding and, of course, the editor wants Clark to get down there, but Clark is nowhere to be seen. So Lois goes, can't I do it? And he's like, no, this is no job for a girl. And she's like, well, you're a piece of shit. And finds Clark outside the, the Daily Star building, says, hey, there's a woman giving birth to seven babies go do that thing and he goes sure thanks lois thanks for the tip and runs off and she's like got him and just bolts right. to go to the to the dam so clark gets to the the hospital and of course there's nothing there and he goes ah lois got the better of me and he gets to be in the superman garb because when he goes back to the editor go like ah, uh, what's going on the editor's like you're fired like you, you just i'm done with this you're fired so clark decides i'm gonna go to the dam and repair it as well as write about my exploits races a train to get to the dam. Lois has already gotten on the train and is already on her way there. Clark saves the train from going over kind of a bridge that's been damaged by the flood. And then the bridge breaks after the train goes goes across it. Lois is going towards the tragedy, you know, taking a taxi, going, going all this way. Clark is trying very hard to keep this dam in check the whole time. But it breaks. And he has to go save Lois, who is in her car, and is trapped in the taxi. He, he rescues her you know, runs with her away to a safe, dry place. And this is the first time they kiss. Lois kisses Superman, and he takes her back and calls the Daily Star and says, hey, by the way, am I fired because I have a story about Superman? The guy says, nope, you're rehired. He goes back to the Daily Star, and the next day, Lois is like, oh, my God, Clark. And she's just so, like, the the venomous words she uses, for example, the spineless worm, I can hardly bear looking at him. After having been in the arms of a real man. A real He-Man. A real He-Man. Master of Eternia. Well, there's no hyphen. Oh, God. He-Man is married into the Man Clan. <laughs> From Jeff <laughs> Jeff He and Leslie Mann. Um, so, oh, also, if you'd like to win one of the $25 and $1 prizes we are giving away, uh, turn to the back inside cover of this comic. I'm actually trying to figure out, are there 25 different $1 prizes? I think it's specifically $25 in one $1. So it's like they send in $1 and you get a $25 prize. Eh? I don't know. That doesn't make a lot of sense The The phrasing is strange. Regardless, if you want to win that, listeners, uh, turn to the back cover of this issue and send it in. I'm sure DC Comics will not at all <laughs> honor that obligation yeah, from so many slightly. years ago. No prize. Uh, so two things. The first is it's worth noting that even though Lois kisses uh, Superman, and it's worth noting we don't she see... kisses him. Yes. That is explicitly her taking agency but we don't see it. We also, yeah, we don't see the kiss. It's like one panel of them like about to and then the next panel is like Superman's like, wow, what a kiss. But it's she this, kisses him, you're right. Yeah. She kisses him. It's this weird situation where there's a lot of stuff being implied. Same as with Catwoman. There's a whole lot of sensuality being implied. No cleavage. No. It's no. very interesting to see that in this pre-Comics Code era. Right. Okay. And that was a short That was a short issue, too. Yeah. Like, that's... Simple. Like, we literally covered that within, like, I want to say three minutes. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's, like I said, that's the start of an issue or an episode of a Superman mm-hmm. anything. Is this natural disaster is not the thing that, like really is the crux of it mm-hmm. it's just really strange to me that they like had a whole issue of just him stopping a dam from breaking yeah the only other piece there that really happens is he stops a bridge from collapsing right like 
the dam feels to me like the same kind of, and then we realized that it had been a while since Superman did anything important, so we had him save a dam. Right. Cool. He hasn't stopped any wars lately, so. Exactly that. And on other notes, let's look at Action Comics number six. Action Comics, unlike Detective Comics, knows what a gorilla is. Yeah, it does. But they have also had the most questionable covers. Ooh, yeah, there's some stuff in there. It's very clear that this is an action... The other stuff is probably action pulp stories. Right. So there's some... We'll, we'll put some pictures up, but there is some questionable stuff that doesn't really yeah. relate to Superman or any of the other uh, heroes at the time that it's just interesting to note. Yeah. So Action Comics number six, the last one we're going to cover in this episode, is another really kind of a strange one that, again, is sort of a weird departure from what you normally think a Superman story is. It's a, it's a break in tone. Right. So there's a lot of Superman articles going around now because Superman's been doing a lot of stuff. But the editor of the Daily Star brings in Clark to his office and says, hey, this is Superman's publicist. Or agent, also, rather. is that the first time we've seen Man of Steel? Possibly. In one of the Daily Star headlines, yes, it does say Mystery Man of Steel reappears. So perhaps Superman is getting his nicknames from Clark. Clark is picking out the best names for himself and saying, like, these are super dope. <laughs> yes. I like Man well, of Steel. Well, to be fair, uh, headlines usually get picked by other... By editorial staff. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's fair. But still, yeah. um, Clark could be pitching them. That's entirely possible. Uh, Clark is being introduced to the personal manager of Superman, and he's already pissed off about this. And the guy is saying, like, oh, yeah, I totally know Superman. And Clark's like, oh, I bet you do. Hey, check it out. There's Superman gasoline being advertised at the back of a blimp, and, and Clark is just pissed off that this guy is capitalizing off Superman's name. There's going to be a Superman car, all sorts of junk. And Clark's like, yeah, I want to meet Superman. And the guy goes, just sure, you think I'm a liar? You, yeah, I'll let you meet Superman. And you can tell he's like... Oh, shit. Outside the editor's door, an inquisitive office boy has been getting an earful. Not Jimmy Olsen, blonde-haired, goofy-looking Tintin dude. Mm -hmm. He tells Lois that, hey, Clark's in there with Superman's personal manager, and she is all over that. She goes up to Clark, asks him out on a date. Clark's like, well, I'm kind of busy tonight. I gotta go meet Superman and Superman's manager. She's like, oh, that's more important than I am. And he goes, I'll, I'll take you out, I'll take you out. So they go out to dinner. Both of them thinking that they've tricked the other. Going like, it's so easy to wrap you around my finger. It's, like, it's so easy to make you think that I'm putty in your hands. They meet up. They go out to a really nice club. There's a woman singing a Superman song. And there's one particular piece of it that gets me. So it's all uh, referential. Like, uh... You're a Superman. That's what the song is called. Mm -hmm. But there's one particular line. When you crush me in your arms, I must reveal I'm only flesh and blood and not resistless steel. Is he killing her? Not intentionally, I'm sure, but this is one of those Man of Steel, Woman of Kleenex moments. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Puns. And uh. gross, gross metaphors. Yeah. Uh, so, Clark and Lois are having a relatively okay time, but you can tell she's being polite. And while they're distracted and while they're at this dinner, you we get a shot of the manager and some red-haired gentleman pretending to be Superman. And he's like, all you gotta do is just convince this guy and lift up this fake furniture and he'll think you're Superman. Don't worry about it. We got this covered. Back at the restaurant, Superman and Lois are talking. Lois slips Clark a roofie, and Clark plays along with it and passes out. So I'm under the impression that he can taste it, or at least can feel that something is different. Yeah. What brings one to believe that Clark has had experience with roofies in his system so that he knows what it feels like and knows that he should probably pass out? Either that or just general awareness of, oh, this is probably what this is, judging by the delivery mechanism. Which is impressive. Yeah. Uh, we've. We talk about this a little bit with Arden, uh, so so if you are if you are con on. if you are concerned about the fact that Lois Lane just roofied Clark Kent to get out of dinner with him, we talk about that. 
specifically to get out of it early. To get out of to get out of it early and to go steal his story. So Lois takes a cab, goes to the place, and Clark is like double crossing a double crossing a pal, eh? Just like a newspaper woman. He is kind of a little bit respectful of that mm-hmm. and admires her for it. Regardless. Yeah. It is the ruthlessness as being perceived as a positive trait. Yes. So regardless, he jumps to the uh, location where they're supposed to meet. Lois is already there meeting the two men. One of the guys is, you know, trying to pull the I'm Superman act, you know, lifting furniture and whatnot. And Lois sees right through it because she's like, you guys are full of crap. This is a fake desk. This is rubber, et cetera, et cetera. And they're like, oh, oh, she's smart. So they think, well, we'll just kill her. Because that's the escalation you run to. It's like, we're going to kill you instead. So they go and they're like, we're going to throw you out of the window. Superman has his first I caught Lois moment. Yeah, Lois falling and he catches her and it's like, thank God he doesn't Gwen Stacy her. But he catches her. Everything's fine. He goes back to the room and beats the tar out of these gentlemen who are trying to hide from him. He like pulls them back out of the elevator, pulls the elevator back up the (laughs) shaft and like rips them out of the elevator and is cracking these guys all over the place and jumps out with them. Jumps them to the police station, tells them, hey man, if you don't like, you know, come clean, I'm going to come back for you. And the Superman dude totally turns on the bad guy. Says it was his fault, it's his idea, blah, 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 and they get arrested for lying. And the line I like is, if I'm not locked in a jail for protection, there's no telling what it'll do to me. Like, a jail cell is going to stop Superman. Of course. Of course it's going to stop Superman. (laughs) Not. At the end, of course, we have another, hey kids, acquiring super strength, muscle training, do weird stuff with your wrists. I don't know what this is. It's it, like he's it's it's telling you to clench your fists and like jerk your your wrists around and weird things like that doesn't do that. So that is the end of the issues we're covering for this episode. But I, now I do actually have one thing I want to cover in that particular one. It's the first issue that really gets into or that even kind of touches barely on the merchandising. So I did some digging around and. It is actually really impressive how quickly Superman just became a transmedia franchise. Everything Superman. But mostly I just focused on the uh, the other ways that Superman stories were being told. So 19, January of 1939, so we've already reached this point, was when the comic strip first appeared. Mm-hmm. So you get a bunch of new elements introduced that way. And then the radio show started in February of 1940. I think that's where Jimmy Olsen comes from. I'm not Probably. sure about that, though. We'll have to check in on that, but that could be. And then a bunch of stuff from that transferred over to the cartoon, which started in September of 1941. And even as early as 1940, Superman was in the Macy's Day Parade huh. as one of the balloons. Apparently wow. one of the biggest ones ever, or possibly the biggest. And it's insane how quickly all of that just i mean for those of you not familiar with the macy's day parade it is a thanksgiving thing uh, in new york they have a big uh parade and float thing for a bunch of people and it's just like big balloons and and performances for kids and families and it's a nice thing to do there's a snoopy balloon there's a garfield balloon right. there's, there's probably some for tv shows that have like performers who mm-hmm. kind of do uh live performances it's a really nice it's a, it's a tradition in america if you're yeah. not in america while you're listening to this hi but um, that's what the Macy's Day Parade is. It's mm-hmm. a big deal, and there's a Superman balloon in it. That's a big deal. Yeah. that That's a sign that this character has very quickly become huge. You've made it. Yes. If you're a Macy's balloon thing. <laughs> like, if we were a Macy's balloon, which I don't know what that balloon would be, it would, it would one, be. one, be horrifying yep. and really, really meta, but it also <laughs> would be, it would be like we were household names. Yeah. 
But then I kept digging, and I discovered two pieces that really entertained me. Mm -hmm. The first is the first episode of the Superman cartoon. All of them are apparently free online, so... Oh, right. cool. Uh, from that, like, early run. Those would be uh, fun to watch. Fleischer. I, I, I don't remember the name of the company that did them. I'd really be interested in watching those. Yeah. They're very Looney Tunes-ish. But Superman punches a laser. Like, not a Do laser you know? gun, but just, like, a laser ray. The beam. Is, the, the, the beam is pushing him, and he's put, he's flying back at it, forcing his way through, and he punches the ray out of the way. But the other best thing is, after one particular... Uh, I don't remember the name of it, but one of the Superman TV shows, uh, live action, uh, came to an end. They were looking around for pilots for other Superman-esque shows, uh, or rather Superman-branded shows. And I think they looked at a Superboy one, but they also looked Hmm. at The Adventures of Superpup. Which is is a crypto? Which is a fursona Superman world. Everyone in the Superman world replaced with, uh, like, anthropomorphic dogs. And the best part is, it was only an unaired pilot. The villain of the episode was named Professor Sheepdip. I'd watch it. (laughs) I'm sure it's online somewhere. I'd watch that. I don't understand it. I'd watch it just for the sake of saying I watched it, like the the Star Wars holiday special. Are you sure you want to go down that road? Just to say that I've seen it. Alright. Just, like, I don't have to enjoy it, and I don't have to be sober, but I'd I'd like to at least (laughs) be able to be like, yeah, I've seen it. I can accurately talk about it. All right, fair enough. Um, so our my my little wrap up here is probably going to be a lot shorter uh, than our cohesive one. But I did the power calculations because I was curious at this era when Superman is just being introduced, what his powers were. So of course the, the one I can't really calculate because I'm not a physics expert is how strong he is. So a a switchblade breaks on his skin, and bursting shells from like artillery are are supposed to be the only things that could really hurt him. So I'm going to say he's very, 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 very strong. Stronger than steel. Stronger than most buildings. Things that can do a lot of damage to people. He's very strong. Uh, He's very durable. He can jump an eighth of a mile, which is about 660 feet. That's pretty good distance. So he can long jump an eighth of a mile uh, horizontally, but he can also leap 200 feet in the air, because they say he can leap about 20 stories. So we're going to say uh, roughly 10 feet per story. He races a lot of trains, and we kind of, like, went back and forth. Like, we did a lot of math today, and by we, I mean Matt did better math than I did. And there was a couple instances of, like, him racing trains and him, like, later in the next episode, we'll get into him catching a bullet uh, and stopping Lois from being shot. And we kind of did the the speed calculation for him. He runs or can travel about 10,636 miles per hour, which is several mocks. So, for reference, the speed of sound is 767 miles per hour. He is running faster than the speed of sound at this point. That w- It would take him, what did we say, like maybe 15 minutes to cross the yep. entire the entirety of the United States from shore to shore. He's, he's very fast at this point. Not as fast as he is perceived to be in later comics. Mm-hmm. Much further down the line where he's like at the sun and comes back in like 10 seconds. He's still incredibly fast. He's also able to lift about 50 times his own body weight. They use the ant analogy, saying, like, this is how strong ants are. He's as, he, like an ant, he can lift tremendous uh, weights. So the average weight of a human is probably about 137 pounds. Multiply that by 50. It's about 6,850 pounds he can lift, round about. Three uh, elephants? At least three tons, if I'm not mistaken. A ton is 2,000. Sounds right. Um, at cars at that time were about one ton. 
2,265 pounds for maybe like a Model T truck, Ford Model T at the time. So he's really, really strong. Not as strong as lifting a mountain, lifting a building, but he's strong. He can he can do a lot. He can, he can run very fast and he can jump very far. He can withstand a lot of pain. But those are the only powers he has right now. And it's worth noting that as early as the first uh, cartoon that I watched, so as early as September of 1941, he is already flying. And he's already holding up a building as it sags. Hmm. Okay. So that's a very quick transition for him. So those are the power calculations. We're going to get into the thing now that, we, that I like the best about this is that you had a very good point that you made uh, about him in general. I think we should end on that one because it's a very it's a much better point than mine. But he's a superman. He's not Superman. He's not the most powerful being on the face of the planet. He's just like a really, really good dude. There's nothing about him that makes him stand out more than any human being on Earth other than he's just able to do these things. He is a super, quote-unquote, man. And I like that. I think it's very funny because all the things that he's doing are like man wish fulfillment. Stopping a dam, uh, ending war, playing football. Like, bullshit. Just absolute <laughs> weird stuff. Like, that, like this, is, this is beneath you on so many levels. You have all this power and you're playing football because you feel like it. Like, he's doing on a whim stuff. He's not protecting the greater good. He's, he's doing things that, like, are teaching people lessons and being the best things. And your point is... He's the king of the world. That is one piece of it. So, first off, uh, something that I don't think we do often enough, but I do want to call out. Thank you, Siegel and Schuster, for making this character. Yes. And thank you, everybody who has developed him. We riff because we like it. Yeah. And we riff because we don't like pieces of it at given times, but we riff. Be we wouldn't be riffing if we didn't like the core character. So thank you for creating that character. Boo liking things, boo. Cynicism. Boo, boo respect and adoration. But, uh, okay, so I, I have issues with Superman at this point. He actually genuinely creeps me out in some ways. Yeah, I uh, can see that. So we've previously we established Batman is a series of verbs in the first couple issues of Detective Comics that he's in. Mm -hmm. uh, or at least that that was the description that I came up with that I've, I, I latched on to. So he's the guy who's ready for just about anything. He knows everything. He has all the gadgets. Uh, and he's just action in all of those different ways. Superman is a few verbs, only a couple, but he's the biggest verbs. Or his verbs are the biggest. In the sense that Superman handles most of his problems in just one way. I think the mine and the football game are actually two separate examples. They're anomalies. They're, they're anomalies, yes. Whereas all of the other problems... You've joked about uh, Superman solves his problems by jumping. But let's extrapolate that out. So the idea of like the times where he grabs somebody and just jumps around until they say, God, fuck, okay, I'll do what you want. Let's extrapolate that out. Batman Superman at this point is mostly one verb, threat. Specifically, Superman is Batman at this point. Modern Batman, that idea of, at his most dystopian, the fear that everybody puts in front of Batman, this is what you could be. That's that not just that source of fear, but that overwhelming watching sense 
and the I will if be you everywhere. Do... I will be. You'll never get away from me. I will mm-hmm. always be there to like yeah. make you straighten out. Like, and you'll you never will get rid of me. fear. And by doing, by fearing, because the bad guys fear me, right. they will do right. That is exactly what Superman is doing here. Right. This is intimidation and dystopia. Additionally, well, not necessarily additionally, but another part of that weave, another uh, thread of that weave is Superman here is embodying the idea of change through strength. Like you mentioned, the king of the world, that is exactly what this is. And it's no more nuanced than that. Uh, Superman is the character who uh, Siegel and Schuster presumably sat down and said, if I were king of the world and could do anything, how would I make things better? And the way he makes things better is the most simplistic, bullheaded, just by force and fear methods. I'm the it, best. I will do it the best way, straightest line possible. Like, you know, point A to point B, no no roundabout, no good thinking, no plan. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to make this happen. Very how, Hal Jordan. Yeah. How do, we, <laughs> how do we get rid of war? Hold a gun to the head of the warmongers. Right. His idea of social change, the times where he is inspiring are that people are paralyzed but once I do a violent thing they'll listen and be inspired it's changed through strength and that scares me because especially at this point in time the perception was that democracy was paralyzed that it was overridden especially by uh, somewhat capitalist but also just you don't have the will democracy didn't have the will to make things better and that's one of the things that communism and, to some degree, anarchism, but mostly communism and fascism embodied was, we will take action. And by taking action in a particular direction, not necessarily a nuanced direction, but just because we take action, things will turn out better. This is not necessarily an anti-democratic or anti-capitalist form of this, but it is still that idea that all that is necessary is to act because all that is missing is for one man to stand up and hit something with a hammer. And that scares the hell out of me. Because in this, he is not a defender. He is a punisher. Every enemy isn't just beaten. They're humiliated. They're reduced to a blubbering mass of crying, whimpering, Oh my god, please stop, leave me alone. I'll, exactly. I'll surrender myself if it means I have to get away from you. Exactly that. They're faint, they're terrorized, they have the bullets bounce off of him, they're subjected to being jumped around with. So one quote that I felt really summarized why I am uncomfortable with this version of Superman is, Obstacles do not exist to be surrendered to, but only to be broken. That feels like what Superman is doing at this point, and that's a Hitler quote. He's uh, Superman currently is an unchecked force. Yes. And that's and the idea is that that force is almost in and of itself good. Right. Because every time he uses it. Which is funny because that's what everyone tries to sell him as whenever they write stories of governments afraid of Superman, that he's an unchecked force, but currently when Superman is written, yeah. he is always a man who is always in control. Yep. And everyone is just scared. They never see him like this, as a man who actually cannot be stopped and is acting on whatever whim he chooses purely because he's strong enough. Yeah. That idea that all you have to do is act is the core of the bad that superheroes can do, but now that whole idea is completely lost because characters in the fiction throw it at Superman, but Superman is written as the always good. 
they think he's Golden Age Superman, but really he's now Superman. Well, I, I don't even think this is Golden Age Superman, because one thing that I've read a little bit about and I haven't done the research on, apparently in 1941, the editor of what would eventually become DC Comics uh, put in, like, hey, here's a code of action. None of our heroes do anything outside of that. And I, my suspicion is that, that when, that's when we start to see the Golden God and the uh, Batman who doesn't just willy-nilly murder Sikhs. Probably, I would imagine. But we'll, we'll obviously get to that point. Yeah. We'll be able to do that comparison. One thing that I, one happy note that I want to close out on. Uh, all the enemies that Superman has faced have been venal. They have been cowards. They've just been out for self-interest. That's why he goes after monsters all the time. That why, that's why he winds up going up against uh, warmongers and munitions uh, uh, salesmen. So that means he never faces anyone who believes as strongly as he does. And they don't they, have conviction. Exactly that. There's one character in all of these stories who does, though. From the beginning, Lois is the only person who has had force of character, of will... That doesn't crack down. She has never been shown to be weak or... Lois is the only one who is an equal to him in their in her character. Yep. There was no other character that's, that has the same qualities of a person who is single-mindedly driven and who thinks that they are right. Yes. That's fair. So that's that, fair and absolutely accurate. Yeah. And it's very interesting to see, that, okay, there's that core of that relationship, two people who believe in themselves that much. Mm -hmm. So that's the happy little ending note. Yeah, that is good. And it's, it's interesting to see that, and I'm sure we'll, we'll be very excited to see that evolve as we go on, because next episode we're going to go to, uh, I want to say Action 12, maybe 13. Presumably. There's also going to be the World's Fair issue of Superman, which is really <laughs> interesting. And then we'll see some more of Superman being Superman in some very interesting ways. And we will see that next time on DC Detectives. DC Detectives can be found on iTunes and Stitcher. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr pages. Visual aids, episode notes, and more can be found on dcdetectivespodcast.com. Superman was here, all right, but not the man we thought we'd find. Instead of clarifying this looking glass reflection, he only furthered to muddy the waters. War, football, pseudo-Superman, Lois Lane's questionable dating etiquette. we left one case, and we'd fallen into another. One that we had to solve, for our own sanity. With our vacation turning steadily into a business trip that threatened to spin our heads clear around, we wondered, what fresh oddities awaited us here?